0: to the newest episode of Dimming the Gaslight. You know me already, my name is Mac, and thank you for coming back for episode 16. Um, before we get started, I wanted to send out a special thank you to Regina from Pain to Power. Uh, Regina, if you're listening, thank you so much for doing that episode last week. That was a absolutely fire episode. I got so many responses from people about how much they relate. Regina was telling me, too. She's gotten a lot of responses, and uh, I'm really glad you guys liked that episode. I thought it was awesome. Um, also, I have an amazing guest for you guys today, and there's, there's a story that you guys are about to hear that's going to make your heart pump. Um, but before we get started, you know I got to plug my normal stuff. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, on TikTok at dimming underscore the underscore gaslight. You can email me if you want to be a part of the show at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. And also, please give it five stars on Spotify. Please give it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. If you like the show, please leave a review. Um, Let's keep getting the name out there because you guys are doing amazing things by getting, you know, the word out there. And I really, really appreciate everything you're doing. Um, Let's get to this next episode. It's really cool. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Um, I am here with my new friend, Doug Buggles. Doug, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? (laughs) Uh, You sound good. So um, Doug reached out to me uh, via email. Um, As I've mentioned, if you want to be a guest on the show, you can reach out to me at dimmingthegaslight at gmail.com. Doug reached out to me and he has sort of an interesting, I guess, angle, we can call it. Um, Doug met his narcissist through religion, and he's going to get on the topic in a little bit. Um, But he met his narcissist through religion. And uh, I guess these religious narcissists, you know, want you to believe that they're one person, but, you know, they turn out to be another one. And, uh, you know, Doug's going to get into his story in a minute. Um, He does want me to mention, he does have a podcast coming soon. He's going to start his own podcast. His podcast is going to be called Surviving Narcissistic Abuse for Men, um, so that you can follow him on that when that comes out. And also he's writing a book and it's funny, he's been married three times. So the name of his book is going to be Third Times Not a Charm, My Road to Self-Discovery Through the Loss of Love, Self-Confidence, and Being a Codependent so doug welcome to the show we're really glad to have you here um let's get into Thank it. You. Tell us a little bit about your story.
1: Thank you. Okay. So I'm 50 years old and I live in Southern California. I met my narc in 2004. At that time I was Mormon. I'm a convert to the church. So I was not raised Mormon, but I became Mormon in 1999. And so for 10 years I was born. Oh, what were you before? Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Okay, cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, for 10 years, I lived by the church, you know, uh, guidelines and the, all the callings. And I really, it was a very happy time in my life. I was married to my son's mom at the time. My son is Seventeen. okay I was married to her at the time and we moved to the town where I'm at now and um, we you know in in the Mormon church you have what's called a ward it's the congregation so it's geographically set by where you live so we moved in and you know Mormons are very cultural based in their circle they call it the Mormon bubble like you stay within those people to hang out with and we met several people Mm -hmm. the couple that we met were husband and wife. They had two young kids and I became fast, best friends with the husband. My son's mom became fast, best friends with the wife. Okay, cool. And my son was four at the time. So their kids were similar in age. You know, you hang out, you you go to dinner you do whatever. And so Fast forward four years, uh, four years, fortunately my marriage to my son's mom deteriorated. And I just want to say that she's an amazing person. And wow, bar, that's not something unlike, I hear all the
0: time on this podcast. Uh, we,
1: <laughs> we are extremely close too. I live five blocks from her. We are mm-hmm. extremely close. I'm part of the family again. And she, the great thing about her is that she's a normal person. She, she took her responsibility. She, she owed up to her half of the responsibility of why the marriage demised. Good. So anyway, so four years later, we're now in 2009. I am not proud to say, and it, it hurts me deeply because I still don't think I won't get emotional. I still don't think that I've forgiven myself fully. But um, one thing led to another, and my narc and I had an affair. Oh, not this proud was the me. this was the woman of the couple that you met that was yes. friends
0: with your kid, right? Okay. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, you know, so we had an affair, and being in the Mormon Church uh, made it extremely more difficult. And so my mindset was. Uh, make this affair worth something justify it so now we have to get married we'll figure it out later but my narc has a public side she's a covert just so you know she has a public side and then she has the other side the narc side so i only knew the public side Mm -hmm. you know i knew the funny the friendly the beautiful the 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 woman that was sexy and whatever Mm -hmm. and she pulled me in she drew me in and i had no idea at that time that i was the vehicle this is really important i was the vehicle to her ending her marriage out of her marriage with her ex, who was my best friend at the time.
0: So do you think that she was looking for a way out of her current marriage and then she latched onto you? Yes. Uh, Okay.
1: Yes, absolutely. So fast forward, we got separate apartments. We filed for divorce. California, there's a six month waiting period. So during that time we we were together, but we lived separately. Mm -hmm. Then we got married in October of 2009. And from the very beginning, I had a very weird feeling that I had made a mistake. And I don't know if this has to do with the narcissism, but it's important to mention that, you know, in her vehicle, she had an older Tahoe, which she still has. That was their family vehicle. And I was, the first time I drove with her and her two children in that vehicle, I had the most uneasy feeling of, oh my God, what have I done? Like I literally took my best friend out of the driver's seat, put myself in there. Oh. And now this is his wife and his children. Where am Where's my wife and where's my children?
0: Oh boy, we probably were having like a little mini <sighs> panic attack.
1: Oh, oh yeah, nightmares. And and so- Hey, you I, know what though? That shows that you're an empath, man. Oh, absolutely. I'm a 100% empath. I mean, it's it's to the extreme I'm an empath. And so, but I made the best of it. I said, you know what? I got to make this work. And I was in love with her. I will not lie to you. I loved yeah. her deeply. I can relate to and that. And as, as time went on, um, the love bombing was heavy in the beginning. Um, she made me her Superman. Um, she actually bought me floor mats for that Tahoe that had the Superman logo on it. I kid you not. Um, she just doted on me and I'm the best husband ever. And then I reciprocate with being everywhere, every time, every place, whatever she wants, pleasing, pleasing, pleasing her. You know, it's funny because your best
0: friend was her former husband. She probably wanted to kind of like show you
1: off a little bit, to probably get back at him as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. And one thing I didn't mention, uh, it's very important. He was the common enemy. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. That so makes we sense. were a, we were a united front, mm-hmm. right? Cause uh, admittedly that guy was being a dick. I mean, he, he was wearing the hat backwards, the dark sunglasses, walked with the chip on his shoulder. I wouldn't even approach him because, mm-hmm. you know, we had to go to baseball games and events with kids. I'd see him couldn't even approach this guy. Um, cause he obviously hated me. I don't doubt it. I, mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. You're and, with his wife and kids her. now. Hell yeah. I'd hate you. Right right i'm now raising his kids half the Mm -hmm. time and to make things worse he lives like two blocks away so it's literally this tight little space oh boy the house we rented no joke was next door to the church building (laughs) so we would leave the house walk next door and go to church he can't get away from you i'd hate you too i remember he said he said one day to her he texted years ago i can laugh because we're best friends again we laugh about this stuff he said, Great, you freaking rent the house next door, and I got to drive by. And it's like a big FU on the roof. It's like you might as well put an FU on the roof. Oh my God, man. So, I, yeah. So, anyway, as time went on, I mean, in the beginning, the sex was amazing. She actually lured me in with the sex appeal, but the sex was amazing. Everything was good. And then that's what female covert narcissists do. I'm telling you, man, she, I, I almost want to call her an extreme covert because in public, her, her image is everything. Sure everything i mean she is so she's very pretty she's funny she she works at the local high school she's been involved in all the ptas and the leadership and everyone just loves her she's the greatest person but when we would go out in public i had to live that high standard of her too i'm not saying i'm a pig but like i would have to be the exact manners i'm not kidding you we'd be out to dinner and you can tell i have a loud voice and if i spoke too loudly she would shush me and i'd be like what you're talking too loud stop, stop talking so loud. I mean, just little things that would drive me crazy. If I'm um, walking in the parking I'm park triggered now, right now. <laughs> yeah, if I'm walking in the parking am three steps ahead or hello, are you even gonna wait for me? Just, I mean, just weird stuff, man. So anyway, as time went on, we were married almost 11 and a half years about halfway through the marriage, the three quarters of the way through the marriage, her ex finally got over her. And the reason this is so important is I didn't realize this till way later. He was her supply, even though they weren't married, they had kids together. so. There was a lot of contact but i remember like every time she would do something that would make him up mad he would he would respond in a negative way and i remember his famous text was fine whatever you win you're in control it's your rules hmm. well, that just fed right into her and she would i remember she'd look at me and show me the phone and go look at this idiot!" <laughs> she'd laugh she was getting off on it at the time i didn't know that so finally you know he's remarried he's super happy and as the kids grew up and got older less contact with her He became happy again, took the sunglasses off. I mean, he became the guy that I knew before. Let me ask you this. Did he know
0: about narcissism?
1: No, no. Does he now? Does he now?
0: Does he now? Yes, or we'll get yes, to that down the line. I, yes. All right. We'll get to that down the
1: line. I will say one thing about that. We've had many, many discussions, and the most frightening thing is our marriages were identical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to that down the line. Go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you. So, so anyway, so um, he became the normal guy that he used to be beforehand. And that's when my marriage went down. Hmm. And now I recognize where she turned from him as supplied to me. I was probably, I'm sure I was her supplied to some degree, but this, now it was 100%. Me. I began to get blamed for everything in the marriage. I because he
0: got over her and right. she was getting off on his reaction. So yes. when she stopped getting a reaction from him, then right. the hatred turned
1: and on you. Correct. And one thing mm-hmm. I've learned about supply is it doesn't have to always be positive attention. It can be negative. For sure, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, and so when I told him that, he freaked out and was like, oh my gosh, you've connected the dots. I'm mm-hmm. like, I know dude, because I've been doing all the research. So anyway, um, so that's when my marriage started to go downhill, blaming me for everything. Gaslighting got worse, um, belittling me in front of the kids, berating me. And I want to tell you that my for the entirety of my marriage, especially the end for the last half, I was constantly walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. I was constantly in a sense of fear of wanting to please her. Um, my therapist said, you know, you were conditioned, but he said, you were chasing that high because that moment when you made her happy, made you happy. Yeah. And then when you weren't making her happy, you weren't happy. So you're constantly running around. I could totally relate to that man. My poor son who's 17 said, dad, now he's telling me this. He said, I didn't like the person you were around her because you know, she wouldn't be home. So we're relaxed. We're playing PS4, we're watching the movie. The second she walks in the door, I would jump up off the couch, turn down the TV, make sure she's okay. What do you need? And my son would just disappear to his room, and the whole mood changes. The whole yeah. atmosphere and the whole house yeah. changes. It's torture. He set the tone. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep.
0: Gross. Go Horrible.
1: Ahead. So, I guess it was probably th- there was a defining moment with my son. Um, my son is six foot three. <laughs> oh wow! He plays water polo and 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 swimmer. He's a stud, just an absolute stud. And 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 he, it was about a month or two before I moved out, and he left his laptop on his bed and remember now, my kid's mormon i'm not saying kids don't be kids he's mormon he follows the church guidelines he's in the priesthood he hasn't even kissed a girl yet i mean this kid is so innocent and when i say that i'm not i'm not being biased cuz he's my kid but i know he does not do inappropriate stuff cuz he's he values his church membership so anyway he left his laptop on the bed in the morning and she came out and accused him of having it there all night and doing inappropriate things like watching inappropriate things mm-hmm. and he says no i don't do that Fast forward, she got in his face, six foot three kid. She starts berating him and belittling him the same way she would to me. And when I saw a, sorry. When I saw my kid who's six foot three and he had tears in his eyes, as this woman is pointing, her at, her, pointing at him, yelling at him. And she was, she was interrogating him in a way where he got nervous. He got confused same way I would. And his answers didn't make sense. So that just gave her more fuel to say, aha, you're lying. She actually said that to him. And that's when I finally stood up and said, that's it. I'm done. I got him out of there and I, he never came back. And, and that's when I made up the, my mind that I needed to get away from her. Wow. And again, I didn't know anything about narcissism. I didn't know anything about anything, but the fact that something is really wrong here. I'm not myself. I'm not the person who my family and everybody who loves me knows me. The big gregarious, funny, nice guy with a big heart. I was not me. And wow, so, wow,
0: man, that's crazy because like, I know, you I look know. at these things and you go like, when I was in my relationship with her, with my, with my next, I used to sit there and I used to look at her and go like, you don't do this with everybody. You only do it with me. And there's something like almost medically wrong with you, but I can't put my finger on it. And I'm not a doctor right. and I'm not a therapist. And I don't know if I'll ever figure it out, but there's right. something, you know? Yes. And the fact yes. that you her doing that to your son made you connect the dots between what she does to you and what she does to him. God,
1: that's so horrible. I'm so sorry. Horrible. And 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 also, did, so you know, throughout our marriage, I saw her discard people, but didn't realize it was discarding. Her own sister, her half sister, she discarded her and won't ever speak to her again over something dumb. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of former friends, um, she, she had this ability and I used to joke with her and I said, you know, it's really weird. You have this ability to just cut people out of your life. And just shut them off. And, and, and I don't know how you're able to do that. And I really can't remember what her response was, but I did mention that to her one time. But again, being under the psychological abuse, I didn't know what it was. Damn. And but I, and I believed her. Everything, every reason she told me why she was cutting these people off, I believed. You want to know why? Because in the beginning, she showed you that
0: beautiful side of her and you want to believe that that's really the beautiful person that she is.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. That, that's exactly right. And so... She used to talk about people all the time behind their backs. Mm-hmm. Of course, her ex, his wife, even their, even her daughter, she would you know rip her all the time. She'd rip friends. She would just talk behind their backs. And then I was always fearful when it would happen. And I even said to her sometimes that her guns were pointed at them. And now the guns are pointed at me, you know, and, and I'd go all along, all along with it while the guns were pointed at other people. When it was pointed to me, I would have a physical reaction. I am not kidding. You. This is weird. Every time she confronted me, every time she would argue with me, my left foot would tingle on the bottom like somebody was pricking me with a pin wasn't painful, it was itchy as hell. And I would move my toes in my shoe and I'm sitting there my foot starts itching. And then I get dry mouth and oh my. my hands get clammy and I can't speak. And I've learned that's the fight or flight in the brain. Yeah, man. Oh my God. That's so crazy. So,
0: you know, I've mentioned on other podcasts that like certain things that guests say on the podcast trigger things that I forget about until, you know, somebody on the show says it. And then I remember. So, um, do you know what TMJ is like lockjaw?
1: No, oh, I've heard. Okay. I've heard it's called TMJ.
0: I, I was seeing somebody because I would just be talking and my jaw would lock up and I was like, Oh boy. Or, um, I started getting really bad, um, eczema on my shins. And I was like, I might, they would, I would scratch until I bled. And it was funny because when I got out of the relationship, I find out that there's physical symptoms that you get due due to the stress. So the fact that you had that tingling feeling on your foot makes all the sense in the world because you have these really
1: odd physical symptoms due to this unbelievable amount of stress that you're under. Yep. And that's exactly right. And we'll get to back to this in a minute, but fast forwarding during the separation on the date nights, we had our first lunch together and we got into it and it started to happen again. And I told her about it. She was like, Oh, whatever. That's, that's crazy. But (laughs) Yeah, she's. Oh, the they have no sympathy.
0: They have oh, no, no sympathy no, no, for no, your no, physical no. ailments, dude. Before Damn. we knew, um, before we knew what COVID was, I had, I pretty sure I had COVID, undiagnosed. But I was um making tacos in the kitchen, and I was cutting on- onions and peppers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't breathe, man. Like I had this really bad. I was like, <sighs> like gasping for air. And she was like, "Oh, stop being such a baby. Stop being such a drama queen." I'm no, oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I, and she's like, "Shut up and make me dinner."
1: Oh my God. <laughs> when I can relate, dude, you just brought up something that I never thought of when I would, when she was sick, I would take care of her and pamper her. When I was sick, she's a germaphobe, get in the bedroom, stay away from me. Don't just get, but here's some medicine, get better. And then if I felt bad or if I complained, Oh, you're milking it, you're milk. That was the, you're milking it. And one other thing was when we got, know was a different subject, but I just thought of it. She never showed me any affection at, you know, and I would ask her and this is one of the most degrading things she ever did. I brought it up to her. I remember we were about to leave the house. We're standing by the front door. And I said, you know, I would love it sometime. We'd go, Oh, because when we go to church, her ex was there up in front of us with his wife and she would have her hand on his back, kind of rubbing it, whatever, what guys like, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and she go, oh, that's so gross. Look at that. Oh, that's so sick. That's so stupid. And I'm thinking in my mind, God, I wish you would do that. But I would kill think, for that because I was afraid. So one day we're standing there, and I said, You know, I would really love it if you showed me some affection or whatever. And you know what she said to me? I'm not kidding you. She goes, Like I was a dog. And she did the motion with her hand. And she goes, Oh, do you need pets? Do you need pets? Oh, you need pets. And she would stroke her hand in the air like she's petting a dog. As you're saying that, I
0: can't even tell you, I just got so internally angry just now when you just said that. I just got so angry and you know as men we get looked at like you're not allowed to get angry right but like that patronizing thing you just did not only did i feel that because that's the kind of shit she used to do to me but it just made me so angry and you're like i'm not right. allowed to act on it you know what i mean
1: right i didn't mean, i i, I kind of laughed it off fakingly laughing at it but it hurt me so much yeah i feel you so okay so moving anyway, on so yeah we, finally at the end we're uh, I was so out of it and depressed and pissed about my son. I finally decided to ask her for it. Okay. At first I'm totally 100% truthful. I asked for a divorce. Okay. But then I took it back and I was out of town. I'm a traveling uh, outside sales rep. So I was up in uh, Northern California at my hotel, I can't even go to that hotel, by the way, now, because that's a huge trigger where we had our huge blowout on the phone with the counselor. And I I asked her, I I took it back and asked her for a temporary separation. And she texted me back and said, what does a temporary separation look like to you? Would you be home or would you be somewhere else? And I said, I would be somewhere else, but you'll always know where I'll be. And we'll go to counseling and we'll do date nights. She said, okay, she agreed to it. I mean, now her big battle cry is I abandoned. That's what she says. So she tells her friends, I abandoned her and I left our family well of course because she's got to control the narrative correct so um we i came home from the trip went with a friend got some personal items um went to stay at a friend's house um that ended up turning into three months um we this was last april may and june we're going on date nights we're doing marriage counseling but the craziest thing was from the very very beginning she cut me out of her life quickly she wouldn't let me back in my own house I paid all the bills too during the during the separation. I paid the rent, the more, all the stuff, and because I, you know, I told her I said I'll still pay for everything. I'm staying at a friend's and whatever, and she has a full time job by the way too. So I paid for everything, and I would. I remember the first time I went to go pick something up. Um, it was outside. She came outside. She was really friendly. This was early on, and I had my hydro, the empty hydro, water hydro, and it was hot. And I said, hey, if you don't mind, I'm going to go in the house and fill up my. And she goes, oh, 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 oh I'll, I'll do it for you, and it was just weird. I got the vibe, and I said, and my comment was, "Well, wait, I, I can't even go into my own house." Now she's looking the other way. She snaps her head around at me, and she goes, "You don't live here anymore." And I was like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "I got my buddy waiting in the car," so I'm like, "Whoa!" I said, "It's still my house. I'm still on the leash." She goes, "Well, I didn't invite you in." So then she goes in, gets my water. Then she comes out, and she goes, "Oh, by the way." I found a cigar on your son's bedroom floor. Uh, you've, you've been, he's been smoking cigars, my son. I'm like, no, my son does not smoke. Well, either he has or you have. Bottom line, I said, well, go get it. Let me see it. No, 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 I'm not going to show it to you. I'll send you pictures later. I'm like, whatever. So hey, I leave. got no pictures. Oh, she did. Oh. I left. She came back with a picture of a dried up cigar in a plastic baggie. And I'm like, I know that from somewhere. Where? What is that? And then I remembered. Oh my God, my mom a few months ago had given me some high school memorabilia. That was a cigar that my dad passed out when he, when I was born and it was a memento. I called her and I said, you take that cigar and you put it back. She goes, I already destroyed it. I'm like, what? Well, I wanted to find out if there was any drugs. in it. God, no. I, I, Whatever. That was early in the separation. Wildly inconsiderate. So the, the, the summary of the separation was she provoked me, provoked me, provoked me, provoked me but then would go on date nights and dangle the carrot of hope. She wouldn't say, she would never say, I love you. She refused. You can kiss me on the cheek. You can give me a hug. The most disheartening thing was on June 3rd, we went on a really fun bowling date night. She got all dressed up, pretended to have fun with me. We had a great time. Next morning, she texted me how much fun she had. I later saw on her bank statement that she hired and paid for her divorce attorney two weeks before.
0: Oh wow. And that talk just about manipulation.
1: Crushed me, dude.
0: So what and, is she doing so, going out with
1: a date with you? Because she needed time. She needed time to do the discard. She needed time to figure out how she was going to do this. I come to find out she's packing up my son and I stuff this whole time. That's why she won't let me in the house. She's oh. packing it all up, go put it in the garage. Oh, I'm Uh getting to that crazy story. So fast forward to the end of the separation. July 1st, I get a call from an attorney. She's filed for divorce. I go in. then So I said, well, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. She goes, well, she says you can come get your stuff. I said, okay, you tell her I'll be there at noon today. Now I'm almost to Mexico because I had to see a customer in Tijuana, San Diego. I turn around, come back. I go straight to her ex's house. I'm freaking out. He's crying. I'm crying. Well, like, what the hell's going on? I get over there and I call the sheriff's department. I said, you know what? I need a peacekeeping officer here because she hasn't let me in the house. I don't think she will. Finally, we get there at noon. Smart, by the way, you
0: need a third party there for that.
1: Yes. Anybody listening for
0: that, always get a third party involved.
1: Yes, always get the the police involved. So sheriff's deputy meets us there. My other friend and I were there and we knock on the door. This is is where I almost, my therapist said it's possible for narcissists to also have borderline personality at the same time. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone that far, but I think there's a combo here. She answers the door recording me on the phone, all dressed up, looking pretty, by the way, completely angry. And she says, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to get my stuff. She goes, Well, I wasn't informed. I said, Well, I talked to your attorney and I told them I'd be here at noon. It's noon. Well, they didn't tell me. Not my problem. I said, I'm coming in the house. Remember, I'm on that lease. (laughs) She goes, No, you're not. I turned around to the police officer and said, now what? He says, Come with me. So I went with him. She slams the door. She then, oh, she goes, your stuff is in the garage all packed. I'm like, okay. She opens the garage door, locks the front door. Cops out there for 30 minutes doing all the background checks. He comes back up. He says, okay, we're going in. You have every right to be in that house. I'm waiting for a female deputy. We go up to the garage. They're in the garage. And he says, are you going to let him in? She said, nope. And he said, ma'am, there's no, there's no orders. And by the way, she, this is important. A week before she had filed or the day before she had filed an ex parte order, full exclusive use of the home, which means she wanted a judge to legally kick me off the lease mm-hmm. because she was in fear for her life. With no evidence of nothing. It sounds familiar. Yeah. So she says, but, but tomorrow we have, a, we have an emergency order hearing. And the police officer said, well, that's tomorrow. That's not today. He's going in. The second she let me in, he came in with me. I'm not kidding you. This was the most bizarre thing I've ever witnessed. The second I walked over the threshold, she switched. Completely kind, friendly, and help, helpful towards me. My friend was with me. And he's like, at the end, he's like, did you freaking see that, dude? What the hell? I said, I don't know, but she was mean the one second. And then she was like my wife the, the next second. Cause she's hiding so, something. It's all for show. Mm-hmm. Right. She had to, her mask had come off for me. And then when the cops were in our house, she put her mask back on and had to show them what a nice kind person she pretends to be. Wow. So then I go, so I go straight back to my son's room. It's completely remodeled like a freaking Ramada Inn. <laughs> now this was a 16 year old son's bedroom. It's not Disgusting, but it's come on, teenager bedroom. It's shit all over the place, and it looks like a remodeled bedroom. I go, oh, I said you you've been planning this for a while, and she didn't say nothing. Then I go out in the garage and I, I start to look at all my stuff, and I realize it's all carefully boxed, labeled, neat, not like thrown in the front yard. It's all like you're moving, right? Like you did it yourself, and I go, oh my god, this is why she's never let me in the house. She don't want me to see what she's doing. We get all our stuff next day. I go to my attorney to pay the retainer, and she goes, did you read her declaration? I'm like, no what do you mean well you we put it in your whatever i said okay so she's accused you of domestic violence and i about fell off the freaking chair dude now i want you to know she's been married three times and she did the same thing to her ex and ex beforehand all domestic violence with no proof of anything so sure. and then broke off all contact. so fast forwarding through now now the discard is happening um spousal support hearing we go to in september she lied about her income whatever whatever then I find out she doesn't have an attorney anymore halfway through. And then October comes around and she has two Tahoes. <laughs> she had an old one from her previous marriage and she had the new one that I bought. Well, I'm only uh, the only one on the loan. She, I guess she's collecting Tahoes from ex-husbands. Yes, yes that's, that's what the ex said. And so, so I'm the only one on the loan, both in the title, but she hasn't paid for a cent of it. But she's been using it every day during the separation and everything. Shocker, so she, and she
0: thinks hers, it's hers too. She calls right. it her Tahoe.
1: Right, so so, so, she sent a letter through her attorney right before she fired her and said that, they said she wants the Tahoe and she'll make the payment. I said, that's fine, she can have it. Just it. We'll decide the equity later to make the payment. Well, she never made the payment. Letter after letter after letter, goes ignored, ignored, ignored. And that goes, that right. fucks your credit. Right, right, and I wasn't gonna let that happen. So I got a bunch of extensions on the loan. I was working with the bank. Then all of a sudden, my, my buddy calls me This is the garage princess vehicle. And he says, dude, your Tahoe is sitting in the driveway. She took the license plates off of it. I'm like, what? Oh yeah, dude. They were personal plates. She transferred them to the old Tahoe. She cleaned it out, empty tank of gas, let it sit for two weeks, wouldn't pay the registration. The registration was due. I went and paid the registration. And then, and then my attorney finally says, that's it. We're going to get it. So I mean, I mean, there's a park right across the street. I'm <laughs> sorry, I don't
0: mean to laugh at you, but this is fucking wild. It's wild because it's was... so, it's so fucking like, it's just what they do,
1: right? Like, it's what I thought so was gonna fucking be... ridiculous. I'm glad <laughs> you could laugh at it too. It's so crazy. What I thought, What I thought was going to take 20 minutes took five and a half hours. Dude, and sometimes, so... sometimes just the
0: absurdity of the situation. Like, I'm sorry that it happened to you, but it's just so absurd that it's funny. I'm sorry. It's funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you got to hear this story. I'll make it as quick as possible. So I go there to the park across the street from the house. Sheriff's deputy comes in, female deputy, like six foot three. She goes, oh my God, I know you. And I'm like, what? She goes, your company car in front of your house had vandalism like three years ago. I was the deputy. Oh, that's right. She goes, you're a nice guy. And I'm like, oh, thanks. So I show her all my paperwork. She goes, I'll make contact. She goes to the house. Apparently she wasn't home. Talked to her on herself. She was home the whole time. She comes back and she goes, I don't like her. (laughs) <laughs> said why and she goes she was rude and aggressive with me and she said you're not he's not getting it but ma'am he has all the documentation i don't care he's not getting it. now mind you, it's still sitting in the driveway for old wow. in the garage that's ballsy said, i'm surprised she would tell the cop no right so the cop says tow it it's sitting there tow it okay if she's not home i have every legal right to it tow it so i called AAA. The cop it said that it. the cop said yes that. yes mm-hmm. so i call my attorney they said do it And now AAA, I'm thinking 30 minutes. No, three hours. Wait for the tow truck. This is God's timing, dude. So we wait and wait and wait for the tow truck. It's getting dark. And all of a sudden we see her come outside, move the trash cans. And then she backs up the new Tahoe. And my friend says, what is she doing? I said, I'll tell you what she's doing. She's putting it in the garage. So she switched them, put it in the garage, thinking that would be safe. Not knowing we're still across the street. So, and then my my friend's like, it's over. It's done. Let's go. I said, no, 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 no. We got to wait. Within 30 minutes, miraculously, she left in the old Tahoe. She drove right past us. Within two minutes, sheriff's deputy shows up, a second one. Are you so-and-so? Yep. Don't tell me anything. I have all the stories. Let's go. I said, well, I got it. He goes, do you have your keys? I'm like, yeah, I got my keys. He goes, well, we, I need to find the Tahoe key in the house so we can take it. He's like, okay. I go in that house with the sheriff's deputy, first time in eight months. And he says to me, this is the funniest, this is the most bizarre part. This is the victim mentality. He says, okay, I, I, you show me all your paperwork with for my peace of mind. Can you show me anything in this house that proves you used to live here? And I go, uh, I look up on the wall. Now this is four months into it. I'm evil. I'm an abuser. I'm this horrible guy. I look up on the wall. Our family portraits are still up. Me kissing her is still up. And I look and I go right there. He shines his flashlight on my face. He goes, yep, that's you. I'm like, what the hell is she doing with my picture still on the wall? Anyway, couldn't find the key. Mine are too, if it makes um, you feel any better. Was that? Mine are too in my home, if it makes you feel any better. It's the victim. It's so when people come over, she can go, oh, look at me, poor me. Look at the love I lost. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, it wasn't me. It was him. So anyway, I figured that out too. So anyway, tow truck comes, we take it and then get it to my house. And my friends were like shocked that I got it. And now it's sitting in my driveway and it's mine. But just a crazy story on how vindictive and how- Switching spiteful. the license
0: plates, trying to, for them to get right. the old one's crazy. And, and all
1: my friends were like, you, "You, cause I have an off-roading Jeep, I'm an off-roader. They're like, dude, you gotta be careful your Jeep. She's gonna come back and get the towel. I said, no, she's not. They're like, what do you mean? I said, she's a covert dude. Image is everything. This is a learning lesson for some guys. She is not gonna come to my house with the police and try to get the car back because that makes her look bad. hmm She controls what she can control. Mm-hmm. And when it's gone, it's gone. Yep. And now in retaliation for taking the Tahoe, she files a domestic violence restraining order against me. What? For taking a yep. Tahoe? But Yeah. She actually said in the paperwork that the sheriff's deputy there for peacekeeping witnessed the abuse. <laughs> what? Yeah, she said that, dude. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So... The next day, I find out about the restraining order. The temporary order was denied. The judge actually wrote in the temporary order, "No evidence of domestic violence is present, and no no facts to show anything." But I still had to go to the hearing. So, oh my God, my house is on a my, the house is on a really busy street. I go by it all the time. I just drive down the road. I pass the house. So she, we get into court, and the this the, the domestic violence, and the judge, the female, and she says to her, "Do you have more evidence?" Because I I didn't grant your temporary. She goes, "Yes, I do." Now, remember, she's representing herself at this point. She goes, okay, what's your evidence? And she, I'm not shitting you, dude. I'm not kidding you. She goes, well, he drives by the house and he looks at the house as he's driving by. And my daughter and I are terrified. And the judge goes, well, what does he say to you when he drives by the house? Well, nothing, I'm not out. (laughs) She goes, that's not abuse. And so we get to the point and she goes, well, he torments my daughter at work. She goes, no, 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 she's 18. She's an adult. I can't hear anything about your daughter. She's out of this.
0: Oh my God. Okay.
1: So we get to, they the just point. think if
0: they say something that it's gospel. Yes, absolutely. It's their truth. I'm going through that right now, man. Yeah. I know. I I'm
1: sorry. I've listened to a lot of your stuff. I'm so sorry with kids. Thank God. I don't have kids with her. Cause I dodged a big bullet with that. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the end and the judge talks about the night I took the item, <laughs> which was the Tahoe. And the judge says, so you claim that so-and-so this guy entered your jointly owned home. When she said jointly owned home, I knew the judge knew that this was bull crap. She said he took items. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Once again, what did he say or do to you when he was inside your home? Well, nothing. I wasn't there. Him and his friends were staking me out across the street, waited till I left and then they took it. And she goes, okay, was it your own separate property or was it community property? Community He's not, property. She's just a bad liar too. I know. And and, and the judge goes, that's not abuse. And then she said her name and she goes, I am going to read you the California state law on what a domestic violence and abuse is. And she read it word for word. Well, and like, she goes, why wouldn't you... she come up with more like hefty allegations? I know. And, and she and, and she said, do you understand the law? And she goes, yes, but uh, no, no, buts." the judge said, this is not your, butt." she goes, this is law. She goes, look, even if you could prove to me every single thing you claim he did, which he hasn't, you haven't proven. Still not abuse. None of it is abuse. <laughs> he turns to my attorney. My attorney goes, we want a full dismissal. Granted, I walked out of it. I'm just like, what a waste of freaking time. I can't imagine that's got to be such a rarity, dude, because,
0: you know, especially in my situation, in most situations I hear are people with these just ridiculous allegations with no evidence. Right. But like, she doesn't even make an allegation. She just says he harassed
1: me and they're supposed to throw the book at you because that's what she said. I know. I know. And so, fast forward into the end february 8th it was final and we get to the mediation hearing and i'm thinking there's no way it's going to be over she's just going to keep it going she barely put up a fight i got everything i wanted i only had to pay her for four years which in california is a huge win because it's work in california the law is if you're married over 10 years it's considered a long-term marriage and spouses of support support could be for the rest of your life Ugh. yes or remarriage or death so the fact that i only have to pay her for four years i negotiated out a lot of stuff she owed me and I don't care. I don't want it. So I got out of it and she didn't even put up a fight. And the next day, you know, she was celebrating. I wasn't. And and, and the next day I woke up and I was, you know, I'm, I talked to God and I'm spiritual. And he put a word, one word in my brain, punishment. That's all she was doing for 10 months was punishing me. Mm-hmm. She, she knew none of that stuff was going to stick. And I think she dumped her attorney because she's like, well, I can punish him for free. Why would I pay my attorney to punish him? That makes she sense. I afford it. Yeah. My yeah. Yeah. So anyway, now we got to get into how I figured this stuff out. So I made the mistake in July, that I think a lot of guys do when the discard happens. I didn't know anything about this. What did I do? I started texting her. Mm-hmm. I, 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 oh my god! Can we? What are you doing? Can we just have a conversation? I was smart enough to not. You're talking about after she filed the restraining order? Yes. Yeah. No. After she filed for divorce and accused me of domestic violence. This is July, back in July. Okay. And I said, can we just have a conversation? Can we just talk? No response. And then I sent her a long email professing my love and blaming everything on me because I didn't know, you know, and I'm thinking I want her back. I don't know about trauma bond. You're lucky that shit couldn't have been used against you, though. Correct. Well, I ended up sending it all to my attorney and said, I'm a dummy. and Look what I did. They're like, okay, what you got to tell us, because if this comes up, we need to be prepared. So I sent them all the correspondence. Well, she never responded to anything. That's when I started my research. And I was on my way home from the Northern California trip. I was completely out of it. And the trip up was horrible. So on the way back, I made a decision not to have it horrible. So I started listening to podcasts on uh, self-help for men. Mm -hmm. And I came across, I don't even remember who it was. I came across this podcast and they started talking about narcissism. And when the woman, the the therapist said, um, when she said about the cycle, love bombing, evaluation, discard. I was like, Oh my gosh. Anyway, things started to add up. The stuff Mm -hmm. they were saying started to make sense in my marriage. So I went home and I YouTubed everything I could find. Mm -hmm. I was typing in how to recover from narcissistic abuse, how to recover from a narcissistic wife. Like I was looking for answers and every, and then I didn't know there was different types. Mm -hmm. So they started with grandiose. I'm like, "Nope, that's not her. Um, Over. Nope. That's not her. And then they got to vulnerable and I'm like, Oh, she was close to that. I'm like, she's a vulnerable. That's what I was convinced of. And then this one guy, this PhD guy, he was on the video about a covert narcissist wife. And it was like, I was sitting in the room with him and he was talking about my marriage to me. And I was like, holy crap. And then this was the hardest part as a man. I was listening to another podcast one day, and, and the, the woman expert said that you have to acknowledge that you were psychologically abused. Yeah. And I just broke down because, you know, no man wants to admit that. And I wasn't going to go tell the courts and do what she did. And I just, no man wants to admit that. And mm-hmm. it took me like three days to really come mm-hmm. to the come to terms with the fact that i was under her psychological abuse and then i dug deeper and then i learned about the discard and the way they discard and i started to think back of the marriage counseling sessions whenever i would make a point or pierce the armor she'd go into a rage and that was the only time she ever went into a rage. Mine wasn't physical. She didn't throw things. She was very covert. And in the therapy sessions, when I pierced the armor once in a while, she'd go into a rage and that's because they don't like self-criticism. They can't look inward. And so when you finally actually point at it and go, wait, you really did this. They have no other option, but the lash outing and go
0: into Ooh. that rage. Don't you feel so much better though? Like personally speaking, I feel so much better knowing that <clears throat> they fit this bill so well like they're not there's no outlier in this whole thing like you know right. they fit the discard they fit the love button. like they fit every characteristic that they could possibly fit it's almost like i've said before it's like shaking a magic eight ball and being like you know what is yeah. she gonna do today and and it, right. you, it's almost like having a crystal ball into the future you know what i mean
1: correct correct and and it's so confusing because, you know, working at the high school, which is right across the street from the house. So you walk, she walks there every day. You know, there must have been two, three days a week where she would forget something. And she'd be so nice and text me, sweetheart, oh my gosh, I forgot my glasses. Because she needs something. Right. So I would leave for work. Okay. I'd walk, I'd drive across the street before work. I'd walk in and, you know, she was the front office lady. So you walk in, she's right there. And I would give her her things and the coworkers would come like, Oh my gosh, you're the best husband ever. You're here for everything. And isn't he the greatest? And that's what I lived for was those moments. Cause at home, it wasn't like that, Yep. you know? And so it's just, I was constantly entrenched in her life, doing whatever she wanted, wherever she wanted, however she wanted chasing that high of pleasing. I know we all do it. All of us men, we do it. So the other thing that really helped me was. On Facebook, I joined a narcissistic abuse group, Private oh, okay. for Men. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say the name. Go for it. Okay. It's called Male Victims of Narcissistic Abuse. It's okay. real simple. Mm-hmm. There's like 3,000 members. Mm-hmm. And I went on there and I just started asking questions because I was mm-hmm. so confused. And immediately, guys are responding to me and helping me. And they're living the same thing or similar things. And so there was awesome. this one question where everyone says, go no contact, go no contact, stay no contact. And I was like, wait a minute, she went no contact with me. This is confusing, yeah. I, you know, because I wanted her to contact me, I hate to say. Yeah, no,
0: that and... makes sense. Don't don't hate to say that, man, that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's actually a really healthy reaction.
1: Yeah, because there's no closure with a narcissist either. Um, so no, I the closure the is the discard, the closure is the discard. Right, okay. So I, I went on this group and I asked them the question. Um, I don't get it. What She went no contact with me. What does this mean? Blah, 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 blah. The administrator of the group, who's obviously very knowledgeable, he came on right away and commented. He said, it's very common for covert narcissists to go no contact. It's called the silent treatment. It is a very strong manipulation tactic to punish you, to make you look like the crazy one. Yep. To 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 so, so you'll text them, reach out to them. I want you. And then look, look, he's crazy. Look what he's doing. He won't leave me alone. And when I heard, when I read what he said, I, the light bulb clicked and he said, Doug, you could text her right now and chew her out and call her every name in the book. And she's going to love it. Ah, I because, was just going to say she's going to love that. Because she, he said she will get a mental high off of it Because she will know that she is still living in your head rent free. And she still has power and control over When I was reading this stuff, I mean, I was just blown away. And it just helped me build my self-confidence into healing.
0: Wow. That's so So, good, man. That's, That's so many guys out there need to hear that right now.
1: Yes, for sure. So it does, it does get better. I can tell you that, oh man, July and August, I was at the pits of hell and I never thought it would get better. And everyone kept saying, oh, overtime." no, screw you. <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. be overtime because I was so upset. But here I am now, it's been a year and I'm still not completely over it, but it's almost there, you know? And um, who knows, who are you ever really over it? I mean, you know, the one thing that's great is I know what to look for now. I know yeah. the red flags and the warnings, and it's just sad to me that she is manipulating for her own game. She—they have to get their supply their somehow. Yes, and they and they she gets continue. the
0: reaction from them, and that's how she gets her supply.
1: Correct. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's it's really sad. Yeah,
0: that makes perfect sense, dude. And it is really sad. Um, it's a tough situation, but knowledge is power. And you have so much knowledge about where this stuff comes from and how she treated you and the story about how she was treating your son and, you know, Mm -hmm. that tipping point. It's a lot, it's a lot, but you, like you just said, you're a year removed and you're making Mm -hmm. it through. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like life
1: is better off. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've got a good job. I have, uh, family and friends who have supported me an army of people my son is five blocks away and he said dad when this all started he said dad i love you and because i'm involved in everything he does he says i love you and i'm sorry you're going through this if you get back together with her okay but if you don't it's fine When I came, when the divorce was final, I went straight to her house. I wasn't expecting him to be home from school. He was home for lunch. Nice surprise. She answered the door, his mom, and I was standing there and I walked in. I'm like, whoa, son. He's like, hey, dad, what's going on? And I just started crying. And they're like, what? I said, it's over. They're like, what? I said, it's over. It's done. My son jumped out of the chair, gave me the biggest hug and said, thank God that woman's out of our life. Wow. yep shit yep now i i have a daughter who's 24 she lives in arizona she's a nurse she's amazing and she you know her interactions with her were pretty normal um she didn't pick on her because here's the thing she has a problem with men her issues with men and i will say this she was severely abused as a teen severely abused and that's where i believe it came from she has an issue with men so she doesn't have an issue with women and so my daughter was fine for her, but my huh. daughter also saw the signs and wanted to protect my son. And my daughter's like, I'm so happy she's out. She considers my son's mom her stepmom, right? Because okay. she raised her. And I I've told my my son's mom all the time, you will always be my daughter's stepmom. And we've cried together and we've talked about the past and what broke up our marriage. And I want to say one thing. When I told my son's mom that I had an affair with her best friend, her reaction was she looked at me and within 10 seconds, she said, I forgive. And I was like, what? I forgive you. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't care about her. I have a 10 year marriage with you and we're sealed in the temple and the church and we have a life and all. And then that snapped her out of her problem that she was having, Mm -hmm. but I was still, I was too involved and pulled in and you know, I went the other way and she does not blame me. That's the craziest thing. Wow. That is crazy. I know. So I'm back with the son's mom and the best friend who I cheated with and all the other people that were involved. All the good parts of life came back to you. Yes. Out there by herself. The truth, the truth will always come out in the long run. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. So that's my story.
0: I loved it. I loved it, Doug. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, I came across your email and I was able to talk to you because wow, what a story you weren't kidding. Um,
1: thank you so much for doing this. I hope you feel better after doing it. I do. I'm a little, I'm a little drained. I'm a little tired, but that's to be expected. Yeah, man. After I do realizing. all of, uh,
0: Yeah, man. After I always do these podcasts, it's funny. And I don't think I've talked about this, but after every podcast, I do feel drained and tired and I need to like, just chill out for a little while because it is draining. But listen, you did a great job telling your story. Um, thank you. It's an amazing story. And it's a story about strength and, and perseverance. So I'm really proud of you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. So anyway, you can follow Doug at Doug Buggle, it's B-U-G-G-L-E on uh, Instagram. Um, As I mentioned, he's also going to start his own podcast called Surviving Narcissistic Abuse for Men. So if you want to check that out, keep an eye out for that. And uh, he is writing a book. It's called Third Times, Not a Charm, My Road to Self-Discovery Through the Loss of Love, Self-Confidence, and Being a Codependent. So again, Doug, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, Thank
1: you. Until next time, everybody. All right. Thanks, man.